Hello, I'm Ernest Mast, President and CEO of Dory Copper Mining Corp. Dory Copper is based in Canada, and we have a project in Quebec that we're looking to restart in a hub-and-spoke um, arrangement. Uh, Ernest, thanks for coming on the show. First, first time we might have spoken with regards to this uh, story. Um, let's start with you. Um, what's your background? What's your story? What, what have you done that's relevant to what you're doing now? I'm a metallurgical engineer by training. I started my career with Naranda Inc., uh, and then work through the subsequent companies of Falcon Bridge or Naranda Falcon Bridge and then Extrata. I was with that company for 20 years working in Quebec, Canada, uh, Chile, and the Dominican Republic. Afterwards, I moved to Panama uh, where I was the president and CEO of Monero Panama. Uh, and after that, I returned back to Canada worked for a couple of gold and uh, copper companies uh, prior to uh, joining jo Dory Copper in 2017 as one of the founders. And I've been in that role since then. And you obviously got the big blue chip um, backgrounds, et cetera. So it, what has, I mean, are there sort of transferable skills? Or is, it, is it a very different type of experience for you down at the junior space? It is different. Some of the skills are definitely transferable, such as obviously the technical skills, uh, dealing with people, uh, dealing with governments. Uh, however, you know, the one skill or the one reality of the junior mining space is that you don't have that financial support that you have when you're working for a bigger company, and therefore you have to be a lot more creative and entrepreneurial. So, okay. And 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 I want to kind of get into this because I think in a, in a market like this, there's a lot of things you need to do to, as I say, you know, you've got to be in the game to play the game, you know, and I think a lot of juniors are under a lot of um, pressure in terms of either be cash constrained or projects taking a little bit longer than, than they should yourself, sitting at you know, 11, 12 million market cap, despite having an, a PEA, despite being in Quebec, et cetera. There's a slight disconnect going on. So how do you, how do you feel about all, all of the above? Well, th that's certainly a challenge. And uh, one has to plan and look forward to the future. Uh, so we're doing a few things that are key in terms of preserving uh, the story and, and making sure the company is well positioned to move forward. Uh, we've reduced a lot of our expenditures. Uh, the drilling programs that we are doing are a lot smaller. Uh, we've obviously had some reduction in our workforce personnel. And one interesting thing that we're doing is because we're at an old site and we're going to reconfigure the site, uh, we've actually uh, done some recycling of copper and uh, we'll be uh, recovering about uh, 20,000 pounds worth of copper uh, from the site from obsolete cables and whatnot. Okay, so you, you're minding the pennies, as we say um, here in the UK. Um, you're big cautious with you know how you allocate that capital. Can you, just in terms of like setting the scene for me, so you know, obviously read all your, your material, but what have you got now over and above the PEA? You've got some sort of, you know, Brownfield side, a bit of infrastructure, et cetera. But how do you value that on your balance sheet? Um, you know, and how should we, how should we value that as shareholders? So one of the things to look at uh, that we have is what is the value of the infrastructure that we have? So we have a, a mill with a capacity of approximately 2,700 tons per day. Uh, we have a brownfield tailings facility. To replace those two uh, assets, I think would you know probably have a replacement cost of well over $100 million. So that's just one way of showing that uh, the value in the company is intrinsic. 
intrinsically more than what the market cap of the company is. Uh, the other value that we have is infrastructure in terms of connectivity to the Quebec hydroelectric grid. Uh, over the last year or two, we've uh, established a connection or the reconnection to the Quebec grid by retrofitting a three megawatt transformer. Uh, the other value that we have is we've got full access to all of our sites. So it's not a remote greenfield type of scenario where you're going to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars just to get there. So all that value is in place. And the third key element is uh, in terms of value, the human value. Uh, we've got a good team in place with a lot of experience. And also when the time comes to ramp up again, uh, we're close to the town of Shibugumu. It's a mining town of 7,500 people. And we should be able to attract uh, good mining talent to work for us because uh, those folks can be at home every night. Okay, so you've got, you've got those three, three things going for you. Let, let me deal with the first one first. In terms of that uh, infrastructure replacement um, cost, that's one thing. The I guess, are you being marked down because there's a cost to refurbish and get, get that going again? I mean, what can you tell us? Because off the back of the PEA, what can you tell us about that? On the cost side. Yeah, so, yeah, it's correct. In the PA, uh, we established the cost for uh, restarting uh, the mill facility and uh, also doing a transition from a traditional kind of slurry tailings disposal to a dry stack. And the cost of, of, of doing that in the PA was about $50 million. Uh, that included $17 million for the filtration system for the dry stack, just something we think we can really improve upon. Uh, the second one is some retrofitting in the mill. That was about $24 million. And that mainly includes uh, purchasing a brand new ball mill, uh, putting, in it, putting it in an existing space in the mill. And therefore, uh, we could be run in the future much more efficiently uh, from an energy process control and uh, personnel standpoint than was ever done in the past. And, um, and, and so... Uh, and the third element in that 50 million was a new crushing and or sorting circuit at the corner base site. And uh, we saw the great benefits of or sorting to our project and included it in that in our in our project. Right. Okay. So you've at uh, the, the PA 10 and a half year um, life of mine and a low, reasonably low ASIC, you know, you know, somewhere it was like two, two, two 225 ish level. Um, is 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 solid even at today's copper prices and fifty million doesn't sound like a massive kind of sound like carpax. You've got to go through the phases and obviously de-risk the heck out of this thing. You said you're kind of preserving cash at the moment because there's no point in putting out good news because it's not getting valued at the moment. So, in terms of time, which is another kind of quite frankly a cost element, how does a company like yours go from where you are today? to where you need to be to be able to have a conversation around cost. Is that just a, a waiting game? In some ways, yes, it is a waiting game. However, what we are doing is um, we're, we're currently uh, doing certain uh, smaller parts of the feasibility study uh, that advance at a relatively low cost. So one of the things that we did was an extensive uh, flotation uh, mineral uh, metallurgy program on the Corner Bay deposit, where we took a composite sample and uh, we sent the sample for ore sorting, and then we sent the preconcentrate from that ore sorting sample uh, for metallurgical testing uh, to really confirm what the metallurgical performance is. And based on that, at a later date, we can do the detailed design of the mill. 
I'm happy to report that the results from that metallurgical test work were much better than actually we had in the PDA. So that's going to be a bit of economic bump for us uh, when we issue the next study. Uh, another thing that we're doing is we have submitted an ESIA to the Quebec authorities. They've responded with a project directive, and uh, we're looking at that and looking to answer a lot of the, a lot or looking to prepare the document internally and not using uh, consultants to do the preparation of the document. In many cases, when you use consultants to prepare your documents, they just end up asking you the questions, you answer them, write it down, and then they paraphrase it and then charge you for that. So that, that's a step. That's another way that we're saving money. Right. Okay. And so when was that PEA done? So I didn't ask. Uh, the PEA was completed in May, 2022. I, it cost environment, which, which, ha, which has been quite high. And obviously during our big, big COVID delays and interest rates, et cetera. But um, so it, it shouldn't be too out of, out of whack from, from where, you, where you need to be. Um, the What are the things that are going to help you because coming back to that question about you know how do you move coming from where you are to where you need to be, copper price is around three eighty at the moment, so it's not too bad. Four bucks plus would be nice. We've seen what's happened in the gold environment where the gold price has gone up, but so have costs. So therefore, margins have stayed relatively similar to to what what they've been over the past few years. So equity's still not getting the credit there. Do you, how do you, how do you, how do I read a copper company scenario in terms of? where the value comes from and, you know, what's going to be able to allow you to go and raise capital at uh, cheaper amounts, what's going to allow you to get the attention which you desire. So the, the, in differentiating the copper industry from the gold industry, there's one really big differentiator which has emerged and that's the critical metal aspect of copper, where copper being a critical metal, uh, there is funding support from different organizations and different groups that isn't no, it's no longer really available for gold. Uh, and we're tapping into that. Um, there's a couple of funds, uh, Canadian-based and also Quebec-based, uh, that we're looking into, and, and those would definitely be uh, a, a really great push for us to move ahead the project without having to take on uh, really heavy dilution in order to move forward. Uh, the second aspect uh which differentiates copper from a lot of the other metals now is there's really an acute shortage of concentrate production and a glut of smelting capacity. So although we already have an offtake agreement with one of our shareholders, Ocean Partners, to take our copper concentrate, we do know there's people knocking on the door saying, uh, you know, we'd really like to get some of that Dory copper concentrate because we can't see how we're going to source the concentrates going forward. And part of that is extra smelting capacity being built around the world. But another part is recently the industry has gone through some very difficult times with the closure of the Cobra Panama mine. And also Anglo-American uh, recently announced that they're going to be producing going forward uh, 200, over 200,000 tons of copper less uh, than was originally forecasted. So that's like taking two of the largest mines out of commission. Uh, both of those uh, companies had deposits in uh, kind of the Americas. Some of it would go to uh, the Far East. Some of it would go to Europe. And uh, those smelters are actually very short feet. Now, part of the metallurgical work that we did, uh, we did produce a composite concentrate and we took assays of that composite concentrate. And our concentrate is definitely 
one of the cleanest concentrates in the world. So it's a fabulous material for blending, and it's a great material as a baseline uh, copper feed for any smelter in the world. I, I actually worked in copper smelters for seven years in Chile, so I do I really do know what I'm talking about here. And our concentrate is like prime fillet. Uh, you know, when a smelter looks at it. So something could occur on the uh, kind of on the customer side where a customer would really like our material uh, and they need it essentially for their for their business to be viable. And therefore they would come and uh, look to work with us and Ocean Partners on working out a deal how to get our concentrate. Right. So, so given what you're saying about your asset and the quality of the asset and the grade of, of the asset, Again, strategies have been sort of changing. You know, Canada's always been a kind of drill to the edge of the envelope type country versus Australian model of get into cash flow quickly. Given where you're at, is it likely that you would be seeking a strategic partner sooner rather than later? Later, you've got that kind of balance sheet, credibility, and access to kind of ability to kind of free up the potential of. What you're describing is, is, is quite, a, quite a good asset because for you, it could become a very hard slog otherwise. I mean, ha, what, what are the options available to you? So a uh, couple of options. One is, as I mentioned, uh, look to uh, join with a downstream partner in some way, shape or form. Uh, another one is uh, groups wanting to get into the copper industry. We're at an incredibly low entry point for any kind of individual or group wanting to get into the copper industry. I think those are the two most likely scenarios. And there's a third scenario too, is that we do have uh, some gold properties in the copper mix. Uh, one of them is in the PA. Uh, another one of them is not in the PA, but we've had some very good drill results uh, on the gold side over the last year at the Gwillem property. And um, it's not, uh, to me, uh, wouldn't be highly unusual to look to uh, have an arrangement with a mid-tier gold company looking for those copper units to decrease their all-in sustaining cost and uh, and get some gold production uh, as well. So we have a number of avenues available to us. We've had a number of discussions with with different groups, and uh, you know I believe uh, that could definitely be a catalyst for the companies we move forward. Okay, sent so into. The secret of success is usually timing. So in terms of 2024, what are the things that you hoped to be able to deliver to market or what are the in, in terms of stuff that you're in control of or maybe, as you just described, maybe some of the conversations which which may, may bear fruit. Is 2024 a catalyst for you in, in any way, shape or form or is it a case of react to uh, the market and, and, and what she tells you? So there's a couple of catalysts that could occur in 2024. Uh, one of them, which I hasn't, haven't spoken about yet, is uh, exploration success. Um, our principal project is the Corner Bay project at about 8.6 million tons, over 3% copper. Uh, our geology team have some ideas on some potential expansions of that deposit um, closer to surface. And uh, that's something that we're going to test during 2024. Another uh, deposit that we're going to test at 2024 is the Cedar Bay deposit. It currently has a small, very high-grade resource. It's not part of the PA due to its size. Uh, but again, looking through and studying the geology of the region, uh, the region uh, we identified an undrilled uh, 
uh, structure, which is just to the southwest of the Cedar Bay mine. And we're going to be drilling uh, that uh, deposit. So, so that's, uh, I'd say, one of the main catalysts for us. Uh, another catalyst would potentially be uh, securing um, the government funding uh, for advancing the project in a way which is not dilutive to the shareholders. Uh, there's a couple of programs that we're going to be applying for and have applied for. And uh, those programs would really show uh, support for Canada and Quebec for critical minerals and uh, definitely put us in uh, the driver's seat in terms of, of of charting a way forward without it being dilutive to our shareholders going forward. And then the third element, um, which uh, is something we, we do have some control of, but not total control of, is if we can come to a strategic uh you know, come to a a, uh, a deal with the strategic to move things forward. However, I think you need those other two elements uh, in place as well to really help that discussion go forward. Okay. And in terms of, I just want to finish off, I want to make sure I totally understand this. You're talking about some super, super high grades um, across the various um, parts of the project here. What are, what are the kind of difficulties that you, you need to overcome in terms of, you know, your, your experience engineer and so forth is, I mean, water, is that is that a big problem? The way that the water body is laid out at the moment, what, what, are, what are the kind of things that you're trying to work out? How do we optimize or you know, drive efficiencies from? Uh, good question in that well, we're very fortunate in that the, the two deposits we're going to start with, uh, Corner Bay and Devlin, they both start close to surface. Uh, both of the deposits have very good geometries or configurations for mining. Uh, one of the issues we would have is the deposits aren't necessarily uh, that big, so you always have to be mindful of dilution. Now, that's one of the reasons why we have the sorter in the project. It kind of takes care of the dilution at the source. Um, there's plentiful water available in the area, um, so that's definitely not an issue. The ore quality or the host rock um, and the mineralization of the deposits is is quite clean, so uh, we're not going to have any kind of environmental or waste issues uh, as we look to mine the projects. I would say the biggest issue would be with the Corner Bay deposit in that it starts from surface and it goes down to about a thousand meters. The sweet spot of the deposit is about 500 meters. So uh, we do have to, to in the project, we do have to get underground as quick as possible. And we're looking at uh, mining companies throughout the world to see what type of techniques that uh, they've implemented to maximize their uh, development rate. And, and that's something that we will apply to our project. Okay, because it, it, it always comes back to that line that people like to quite casually throw out like grade is king. I think grades is one variable, which definitely, definitely helps. But there's so many other factors which determine the economics of, of, of projects. So there's some tricks to see how you come at it, how you think about it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, well, Ernst, um, like, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with us. Like I say, it's not a story we've kind of looked at a, um, a lot, um, but the, you know, the grades are very attractive. Uh, it's really a case of how you, how you engineer this and how you develop this going forward. So please stay in touch and that's not how you get on, okay? Thank you very much, Matthew. A pleasure to be here with you. It, it is, uh, and and thanks for those really good questions.